Section fifty eight of London Labour and the London Poor by Henry Mayhew. Volume one. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Peter Yearsley. The Street Folk. Part fifty eight. Of the blind street sellers of tailors' needles, etc. It is customary with many trades for the journeymen to buy such articles as they require in their business of those members of their craft who have become incapacitated for work either by old age or by some affliction the tailors the shoemakers the carpenters and many others do this these sellers are perhaps the most exemplary instances of men driven to the streets or to hawking for a means of living and they one and all are distinguished by that horror of the workhouse which i have before spoken of as constituting a peculiar feature in the operative's character at present i purpose treating of the street sellers of needles and trimmings to the tailors there are i am informed two dozen broken-down journeymen tailors pursuing this avocation in and around london there may be more said one who had lost his sight stitching but i get my information from the needle warehouse where we all buy our goods and the lady there told me she knew as many as twenty-four hawkers who were once tailors these are all either decayed journeymen or their widows some are incapacitated by age being between sixty and seventy years old the greater part of the aged journeymen however are inmates of the tailors almshouses i am not aware said my informant of there being more than one very old man hawking needles to the tailors though there may be many that i know nothing about the one i am acquainted with is close upon eighty and he is a very respectable man much esteemed in st james's and st george's he sells needles and london labour under the london poor to the journeyman he is very feeble indeed and can scarcely get along of the two dozen needle sellers above mentioned there are only six who continue their rounds solely to the metropolis out of these six my informant knew two who were blind beside himself one of these sells to the journeyman in the city there are other blind tailors who were formerly hawkers of needles but being unable to realize a subsistence thereby have been obliged to become inmates of the workhouses others have recently gained admission into the almshouses last february i am assured there were two blind needle-sellers and two decrepit in st james's workhouse there are moreover two widows selling tailors needles in london one of these i am told is wretchedly poor being eat up with the rheumatics and scarcely able to move she is the relict of a blind journeyman and well known in st james's the other widow is now in st pancras workhouse having been unable to use the words of my informant to get anything to keep life and soul together at the needle trade she too i am told is well known to the journeyman the tailor's needle sellers confining themselves more particularly to london consist of at present one old man three blind one paralyzed and one widow besides these there are now in the almshouses two decrepit and one paralyzed and one widow in the workhouse all of whom till recently were needle sellers and originally connected with the trade that is all that i believe are now in london said one to me i should i think know if there were more for it is not from one place we get our articles but many and there i hear that six is about the number of tailors hawkers in town the rest of the two dozen hawkers that i spoke of go a little way out into the suburbs the six however stick to london altogether 
the needle sellers who go into the country i am told travel as far as reading westward and to gravesend in the opposite direction or brentwood in essex and they will keep going backwards and forwards to the metropolis immediately their stock is exhausted these persons sell not only tailors needles but women's needles as well and stay laces and cottons and small wear in general which they get from shepherds in compton street they have all been tailors and are incapacitated from labour either by old age or some affliction there was one widow of a tailor among the number but it is believed she is now either too old to continue her journeys or else that she is deceased the town sellers confine their peregrinations mostly to the parishes of st james's and st george's my informant was not aware that any went even into marylebone one travels the city while the other five keep to the west end they all sell thimbles needles inch measures bodkins inch sticks scissors when they can get them i was told and that's very seldom and beeswax basting cotton and many of them publications the publications vended by these men are principally the cheap periodicals of the day and two of these street sellers i am informed do much better with the sale of publications than by the trimmings they get money sir said one man to me while we are starving they have their set customers and have only to go round and leave the paper and then to get their money on the monday morning the tailors hawkers buy their trimmings mostly at the retail shops they have not stock money sufficient i am assured to purchase at the wholesale houses for such a thing as a paper of needles large tradesmen don't care about of selling us poor men they tell me that if they could buy wholesale they could get their goods one-fourth cheaper and to be obligated to purchase retail is a great drawback on their profits they call at the principal tailors workshops and solicit custom of the journeymen they are almost all known to the trade both masters and men and having no other means of living they are allowed to enter the masters shops though some of the masters such as allen in bond street curlwis jarvis and jones in conduit street and others refuse the poor fellows even this small privilege the journeymen treat them very kindly the needle sellers tell me and generally give them part of the provisions they have brought with them to the shop if it was not for this the needle sellers i am assured could hardly live at all there's that boy there said a blind tailor speaking of the youth who had led him to my house and who sat on the stool fast asleep by the fire i'm sure he must have starved this winter if it hadn't been for the goodness of the men to us for it's little that me and his mother has to give him she's gone almost as blind as myself working at the sank work note making up soldiers clothing end note oh ours is a miserable life sir worn out blind with overwork and scarcely a hole to put one's head in or a bit to put in one's mouth god almighty knows that's the bare truth sir sometimes the hawkers go on their rounds and take only tuppence but that is not often sometimes they take five shillings in a day and that is the greatest sum said my informant i ever took what others might do i can't say but that i'm confident is about the highest takings in the summer three months the average takings rise to four shillings per day but in the winter they fall to one shilling or at the outside one shilling and sixpence the business lasts only for three hours and a half each day that is from eight till half-past eleven in the morning after that no good is to be done 
then the needle sellers i am told go home and the reason of this is i am told if they appear in the public streets selling or soliciting arms the blind are exempted from becoming recipients of the benefits of many of the charitable institutions the blind man whom i saw told me that after he had done work and returned home he occupied himself with pressing the seams of the soldiers clothes when his missus had sewed them the tailor's needle sellers are all married and one of the wives has a mangle and perhaps said my informant the blind husband turns the mangle when he goes home but i can't say another wife is a book folder but she has no work the needles they usually sell five a penny to the journeyman but the most of the journeymen will take but four they say we can't get a living at all if we sell the needles cheaper the journeymen are mostly very considerate very indeed much more than the masters for the masters won't hardly look at us i don't know that a master ever gave me a farden and yet there's some of them very soothing and kind in speaking the profit in the needles i am told is rather more than one hundred per cent but say the sellers only think sir we must get rid of a hundred and fifty needles even to take three shillings the most we ever sell in one shop is sixpence worth and the usual amount is twopence worth you can easy tell how many shops we must travel round to in order to get rid of three shillings worth take one shop with another the good with the bad they tell me they make about one penny profit from each they visit the profit on the rest of the articles they vend is about twenty per cent and they calculate that all the year round summer and winter they may be said to take two shillings a day or twelve shillings a week out of which they clear from five shillings to five shillings and sixpence they sell far more needles than anything else some of the blind needle sellers make their own beeswax into shapes pennyworths themselves melting into and pouring into small moulds the blind needle seller whom i saw was a respectable looking man with the same delicacy of hand as is peculiar to tailors and which forms so marked a contrast to the horny palms of other workmen he was tall and thin and had that upward look remarkable in all blind men his eyes gave no signs of blindness the pupils being full and black except that they appeared to be directed to no one object and though fixed were so without the least expression of observation his long black surtout though faded in colour was far from ragged having been patched and stitched in many places while his cloth waistcoat and trousers were clean and neat very different from the garments of street sellers in general in his hand he carried his stick which as he sat he seemed afraid to part with for he held it fast between his knees he came to me accompanied by his son a good-looking rough-headed lad habited in a washed-out blue french kind of pinafore and whose duty it was to lead his blind father about on his rounds though the boy was decently clad still his clothes like those of his father bore many traces of that respectable kind of poverty which seeks by continuous mending to hide its rags from the world the face of the father too was pinched while there was a plaintiveness about his voice that told of a wretched spirit-broken and afflicted man altogether he was one of the better kind of handicraftsmen one of those fine specimens of the operatives of this country independent even in their helplessness scorning to beg and proud to be able to give some little equivalent for the money bestowed on them 
I have already given accounts of the beaten-out mechanic from those who certainly cannot be accused of an excess of sympathy for the poor, namely the poor law commissioners and masters of workhouses, and I can only add that all my experience goes fully to bear out the justice of these statements. As I said before, the class who are driven to the streets, to which the beaten-out or incapacitated operative belongs, is of all others the most deserving of our sympathy, and the following biography of one of this order is given to teach us to look with a kindly eye upon the many who are forced to become street-sellers as the sole means of saving themselves from the degradation of pauperism or beggary. I am forty-five years of age next June, said the blind tailor. It is upwards of thirty years since I first went to work at the tailoring trade in London. I learned my business under one of the old hands at Mr. Cook's in Poland Street, and after that went to work at Guthrie's in Bond Street. I belonged to the society held at the old White Hart. I continued working for the honourable trade, and belonging to society, for about fifteen years. My weekly earnings then averaged one pound sixteen shillings a week while I was at work, and for several years I was seldom out of work, for when I got into a shop it was a long time before I got out again. I was not married then. I lived in a first-floor back room, well furnished, and could do very comfortably indeed. I saved often my fifteen shillings or sixteen shillings in a week, and was worth a good bit of money up to the time of my first illness. At one period I had nearly fifty pounds by me, and had it not been for vacations and slack seasons, I should have put by more, but, you see, to be out of work even a few weeks makes a large hole in a journeyman's savings. All this time I subscribed regularly to society, and knew that if I got superannuated I should be comfortably maintained by the trade. I felt quite happy with the consciousness of being provided for in my old age or affliction then, and if it had not been for that, perhaps I might have saved more even than I did. I went on in this way, as I said before, for fifteen years, and no one could have been happier than I was. Not a working man in all England couldn't. I had my silver watch and chain. I could lay out my trifle every week in a few books, and used to have a trip now and then up and down the river, just to blow the London smoke off, you know. About fifteen years ago my eyes began to fail me without any pain at all. They got to have, as it were, a thick mist, like smoke, before them. I couldn't see anything clear. Working by gaslight at first weakened and at last destroyed the nerve altogether. I'm now in total darkness. I can only tell when the gas is lighted by the heat of it. It is not the black clothes that is trying to the sight. Black is the steadiest of all colours to work at. White and all bright colours makes the eyes water after looking at them for any long time. But, of all colours, scarlet, such as is used for regimentals, is the most blinding. It seems to burn the eyeballs, and makes them ache dreadful. After working at red there's always flying colours before the eyes. There's no steady colour to be seen in anything for some time. Everything seems all of a twitter, and to keep changing its tint. There's more military tailors blind than any others. A great number of tailors go blind, but a great many more has lost their sight since gaslight has come up. Candlelight was not half so pernicious to the sight. Gaslight is so very heating, and there's such a glare with it that it makes the eyes throb and shoot too if you work long by it. I've often continued working past midnight with no other light than that, and then my eyes used to feel like two bits of burning coals in my head. 
and you see sir the worst of it was as i found my sight going bad i was obliged to try it more so as to keep up with my mates in the shop at last my eyes got so weak that i was compelled to give up work and go into the country and there i stopped living on my savings and unable to do any work for fear of losing my sight altogether i was away about three years and then all my money was gone and i was obligated in spite of my eyes to go back to work again but then with my sight defective as it was i could get no employment at the honourable trade and so i had to take a seat in a shop at one of the cheap houses in the city and that was the ruin of me entirely for working there of course i got scratched from the trade society and so lost all hope of being provided for by them in my helplessness the workshop at this cheap house was both small and badly ventilated it was about seven foot square and so low that as you sat on the floor you could touch the ceiling with the tip of your finger in this place seven of us worked three on each side and one in the middle two of my shopmates were boys or else i am sure it would not have held us all there was no chimney nor no window that could be opened to let the air in it was lighted by a skylight and this would neither open nor shut the only means for letting out the foul air was one of them working ventilators like cockades you know sir fixed in one of the panes of glass but this wouldn't work so there we were often from five in the morning till ten at night working in this dreadful place there was no fire in the winter though we never needed one for the workshop was over hot from the suffocation and in the summer it was like an oven this is what it was in the daytime but mortal tongue can't tell what it was at night with the two gaslights burning away and almost stifling us many a time some of the men has been carried out by the others fainting for air they all fell ill every one of them and i lost my eyes and my living entirely by it we spoke to the master repeatedly telling him he was killing us and though when he came up to the workshop himself he was nearly blown back by the stench and heat he would not let us have any other room to work in and yet he'd plenty of convenience upstairs he paid little more than half the regular wages and employed such men as myself only those who couldn't get anything better to do what with illness and all i don't think my wages there averaged above twelve shillings a week sometimes i could make one pound in the week but then the next week maybe i'd be ill and would get but a few shillings it was impossible to save anything then even to pay one's way was a difficulty and at last i was seized with rheumatics on the brain and obliged to go into st thomas's hospital i was there eleven months and came out stone blind i am convinced i lost my eyesight by working in that cheap shop nothing on earth will ever persuade me to the contrary and what's more my master robbed me of the third of my wages and my sight too and left me helpless in the world as god knows i am now it is by the ruin of such men as me that these masters are enabled to undersell the better shops they get hold of the men whose eyes are just beginning to fail them like mine did because they know they can get them to work cheap and then just at the time when a journeyman requires to be in the best of shops have the best of air and to work as little by gaslight as possible they puts him into a hole of a place that would stifle a rat and keeps him working there half the night through that's the way sir the cheap clothes is produced by making blind beggars of the workmen like myself and throwing us on the parish in our old age you're right sir they not only robs the men but the ratepayers too well sir as i said i come out of the hospital stone blind and have been in darkness ever since 
and that's near upon ten years ago i often dream of colours and see the most delightful pictures in the world nothing that i ever beheld with my eyes can equal them they're so brilliant and clear and beautiful i see then the features and figures of all my old friends and i can't tell you how pleasurable it is to me when i have such dreams they so excite me that i'm ill all the next day i often see too the fields with the cows grazing on a beautiful green pasture and the flowers just at twilight like closing up their blossoms as they do i never dream of rivers nor do i ever remember seeing a field of corn in my visions it's strange i never dreamt in any shape of the corn or the rivers but maybe i didn't take so much notice of them as of the others sometimes i see the sky and very often indeed there's a rainbow in it with all kinds of beautiful colours the sun is a thing i often dream about seeing going down like a ball of fire at the close of the day i never dreamt of the stars nor the moon it's mostly bright colours that i see i have been under all the oculists i could hear of mr turnbull in russell square but he did me no good then i went to charing cross under mr guthrie and he gave me a blind certificate and made me a present of half a sovereign he told me not to have my eyes tampered with again as the optic nerve was totally decayed oh yes if i had all the riches in the world i'd give them every one to get my sight back for it's the greatest pressure to me to be in darkness god help me i know i'm a sinner and believe i'm so afflicted on account of my sins no sir it's nothing like when you shut your eyes when i had my sight and closed mine i remember i could still see the light through the lids the very same as when you hold your hand up before the candle but mine's far darker than that pitch black i see a dark mass like before me and never any change everlasting darkness and no chance of a light or shade in this world but i feel consolated somehow now it is settled although it's a very poor comfort after all i go along the streets in great fear if a baby have hold of me i'm firm but by myself i reel about like a drunken man i feel very timid unless i have hold of something not to support me but to assure me i shall not fall if i was going down your staircase sir i should be all right so long as i touch the banister but if i missed that i'm sure i should grow so giddy and nervous i should fall from the top to the bottom after losing my sight i found a great difficulty in putting my food into my mouth for a long time six months or better and i was obliged to have someone to guide my hand for i used often to put the fork up to my forehead instead of my mouth shortly after my becoming quite blind i found all my other senses much quickened my hearing feeling and reckoning i got to like music very much indeed it seemed to elevate me to animate me and cheer me much more than it did before and so much so now that when it ceases i feel duller than ever it sounds as if it was in a wilderness to me i can't tell why but that's all i can compare it to as if i was quite alone with it my smell and taste is very acute note he was given some violets to smell End note. oh that's beautiful he cried very reviving indeed often of an evening i can see things in my imagination and that's why i like to sit alone then for of all the beautiful thoughts that ever a man possessed there's none to equal a blind man's when he's by himself i don't see my early home but occurrences that as recently took place i see them all plain before me in colours as vivid as if i had my sight again and the people all dressed in the fashion of my time the clothes seem to make a great impression on me 
and i often sit and see in my mind master tailors trying a coat on a gentleman and pulling it here and there the figures keep passing before me like soldiers and often i'm so took by them that i forget i'm blind and turn my head round to look after them as they pass by me but that sort of thinking would throw me into a melancholy it's too exciting while it lasts and then leaves me dreadful dull afterwards i've got much more melancholy since my blindness before then i was not seriously given but now i find great consolation in religion i think my blindness is sent to try my patience and resignation and i pray to the almighty to give me strength to bear with my affliction i was quick and hot-tempered before i was blind but since then i have got less hasty like all other troubles appear nothing to me sometimes i revile against my affliction too frequently but that is at my thoughtless moments for when i'm calm and serious i feel thankful that the almighty has touched me with his correcting rod and then i'm happy and at peace with all the world if i had run my race and not been stopped i might never have believed there was a god my wife works at the sank work she makes soldiers coats she gets one shilling and a penny for making one and that's nearly a day and a half's work then she has to find her own trimmings and they're a penny it takes her sixteen hours to finish one garment and the overwork at that is beginning to make her like as i was myself if she takes up a book to read to me now it's all like a dirty mass before her and that's just as my sight was before i lost it altogether she slaves hard to help me she's anxious and willing indeed too much so if she could get constant work she might perhaps make about seven shillings a week but as it is her earnings are take one week with another not more than three shillings last week she earned five shillings but that was the first job of work she'd had to do for two months i think the two of us make on an average about eight shillings and out of that there is three people to keep our two selves and our boy our rent is two shillings and sixpence so that after paying that we has about five shillings and sixpence left for food firing and clothing for the whole of us how we do it i can't tell but i know we live very very hard mostly on pieces of bread that the men gives to me and my boy as we go round to the workshops if he was any of us to fall ill we must all go to the parish if my boy was to go sick i should be left without any one to lead me about and that would be as bad as if i was laid up myself and if anything was to happen to my wife i'd be done clean altogether but yet the lord is very good and we'd get out of that i dare say if anything was to drive me to the parish i should lose all hopes of getting some help from the blind institutions and so i dread the workhouse worse than all i'd sooner die on the step of a door any time than go there and be what they call well kept i don't know why i should have a dislike to going there but yet i do possess it i do believe that any one that is willing to work for their bread hates a workhouse for the workhouse coat is a slothful degrading badge after a man has had one on his back he's never the same i wouldn't go for an order for relief so long as i could get a halfpenny loaf in twenty-four hours if i could only get some friend to give me a letter of recommendation to mr day's charity for the blind i should be happy for the rest of my days i could give the best of references to any one who would take pity on me in my affliction End of section fifty-eight.